Thank you. Um, so I'm Reva. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, and um, Nick isn't here, but I'm really grateful to be here, and I'm really grateful that he asked me to speak. It's, it's an honor to be here, and I've never spoken at this meeting, so I am having a little heart palpitation right now. But I'm going to just um, say that whatever I say here, obviously, is my experience. Um, and I hope for the newcomer that you'll just, you know, they say to keep coming back and, you know, go to at least six meetings and, you know, don't go away until you give this a try. And so um, I'm just going to tell you what it was like, what happened, and um, what's going on in my life now. So I'll try not to spend too, too much time on the past, but I have to just say that, um, um, you know, remembering the past is a really big part of my story. So um, I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and um, my, my parents met um, in Paris. My father was a Holocaust survivor, and my mom was from Pittsburgh, and my... <laughs> I don't, so um, my father, they met him, my mother um, grew up, you know, um, without a father, with a stepbrother that was very cruel, and she was a very, 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 very obese child from about five. She pretty much um, played cards with all the European women um, as she grew up, didn't really go to school, never really had a boyfriend, and so that she would go to the summer camps and lose weight and gain weight, and she was about, you know, 100 to 150 pounds overweight from, I would say, about five on. And this one summer, her uncle said, well, if you lose weight, I'm going to send you to Paris. And they had someone to introduce her to. And so she went there. And I won't go too much into my mother, but it is a big part of my story. She went there, and she uh, met this man. But he wasn't her cup of tea, but she met my father. My father was very handsome, and she spoke Hungarian. And within six weeks, they were married. But my father was the complete opposite of my mother. He, my mother was a rough-and-tumble kind of woman. She had a foul mouth. She, was a, she turned out to be a professional gambler. She was not into religious, religion in any way, shape, or form. And my father was a very soft-spoken, never would say a swear word if his life depended on it. When, his biggest, when you knew he was mad, he would whistle. That would be about it. And my mom was the complete opposite. But she said that she was going to be religious and they were going to do this and they were going to do that and whatever. So, but I really feel that God put those two together because my father really, really loved my mother. As mean as she was and she was cruel to him. She was viciously cruel. And it wasn't because she was a cruel person. It was really because she... She didn't love herself. She hated herself so much, and she had so many problems growing up. So anyways, I grew up in that atmosphere. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of problems, and a lot of cruelty, a lot of abuse. And there was a lot of addiction. Um, food was a very, 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 very big part of our family. Uh, holidays were about food. Food was it. I mean, everything was centered around food. But... In our family, the addiction really spread out everywhere. It spread out into food, into drugs, and um, into gambling. So I, have, I had uh, 
four, I have four siblings. One of them passed away. One, one was murdered, actually, as a result of gambling. And my older brother, um, who is a medical doctor, was a cocaine and alcohol addict. He is no longer that now um, because he got into a very bad accident and he came out of it and he stopped. And my sister just had the sleeve. So she carried around 350 pounds till she was about 62. So what happened with me? I, um, you know, from third grade on, the diet began. And I was with my sister going to Weight Watchers, eating those buttermilk, you know, milkshakes and with the strawberries and the, you know, the three ounces of tuna in the liver. And, and really, you know, that's kind of where it began. And, you know, the, the, and I was honestly really not that, that overweight, maybe 10, maybe 15. But when I went, when I, at one point, um, um, you know, you know, school wasn't my thing. My brother was a really good student. My sister was a really good student. And then by the time I came around, my parents kind of let, let up. So I was kind of left on my own. And the only, I mean, my sister was kind of my surrogate mom because my mom was really into cards at that point. She would go off and play cards for three, four days at a time. And we would kind of be left on our own. But my sister was five years older than me, so she was really my 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 mom, my confidant. My, she still is. She, she's everything, you know. Um, so, um, but, so I, I went to college as a horrible student and I wasn't into college at all. I actually went to, um, community college, which now everyone, it's a great thing, but at that time it wasn't considered a great thing to go to community school. And I dropped out and I was working and I fell in love with someone and of course, you know, couldn't be a human normal being and, you know, the weight was the swinging and, uh, went to Israel and stayed there for 10 months. And that's really when the big weight kicked in. I gained about 70 pounds there. And then I came back, and that's really when the cycle began of this. So I came home. My mom was on Optifast at the time through UCLA. She had to lose about 150 pounds. And I went on Optifast, and I went, that was my first time. And that was for about nine months. And if any of you don't know what Optifast is, it's where, and at that time especially, that's where you really didn't eat. Um, you have these shakes, and I did that for nine months. You're freezing cold. You have to go to the bathroom. It's, you could drive your car into a building. You have to go so bad because you're drinking constantly. And I lost, you know, I went down to about 105 pounds, and um, my sister got was getting married, and I remember... The night before she was getting married, I stayed at her house, and this was the first time I was eating. And I just sat there, slumped down in front of the uh, refrigerator, just eating a hunk of cheese and just, just sitting there right before, the, right before her wedding. Okay, so now I'm going to go through, and I brought my paper because I wanted you to remember, I want you to know what I went through with this disease to try to understand how to stop it. So I have to put my glasses on. So I went to Optifast not once but three times and it was pretty horrific. I went to Nutrisystem, Sandy Craig, Weight Watchers, Pritikin, Nutritionist, the Cedars-Sinai had a program, UCLA, I checked out their OCD program because I thought I, I must have OCD because I, I can't stop obsessing about this compulsion. 
I tried greens. I tried tapping. I tried the um, program where they put their hands over you softly. They don't touch you. And that's going to bring it. Whatever. I don't even know what it is. It was just one of the many. I tried um, acupuncture, pressing and eating, pressing and eating, pressing and eating. I, tried the, I went to the Raider Institute. I tried drugs. I tried Wellbutrin and Prozac. And Wellbutrin, actually, it was an interesting thing. It worked for about six weeks. And the psychiatrist said to me, that's a, I said, I don't understand. I, I, um, I don't feel like I, I, I'm, I'm stopping when I'm full. He said, because, I mean, that was like, that wasn't really what it was. I went in there because I was depressed. I thought I was depressed. Um, but food was always the underlying reason for this depression. And he said, that's amazing. But anyway, long story short, six weeks later, I was in an airport. I went to go see my cousin who was supposed to help me with my life. And he didn't give me the attention and the information that I wanted. And I was early at the airport. And I think the TGIF or whatever it's called, that yogurt place, because yogurt was my, was what? My drug of choice. And I will get into what I did with that later. But I must have gone back to that TGIF. In that 45 minute or hour and a half, I just couldn't do it fast enough. So that well be can stop in about two seconds. Um, I went to spas. I found Bob Green, Oprah's uh, trainer. I thought he was going to do it. I went to the Omega Institute, Big Sur, Camden Ranch. I went to the Pritikin Clinic five times. I went to pre-measured foods. I went to food things dropped off at my house. I mean, there was really nothing I didn't do there. And I also tried rabbis and est. Tony Robbins got all his stuff. Um, and then books. How many books did we get? The Road Less Travel, Dennis Prager, Why Did Bad Things Happen to Good People, you know, Fin uh, for Life. I, I have a... I, they're all gone now. Anyway, so this kind of um, disease really, um, the cycle of this disease for me was I could lose the weight and then I never, the second I would get to my goal, I mean the second, I, Weight Watchers, this is another experience. I was going to be a Weight Watchers leader. I, I met my goal and I went for the weekend to get signed up for the training. And that weekend, the binge began. I gained about 15 pounds, and guess what? I never even got to that. And I thought it was going to be my miracle. This is a miracle. I'm going to be a Weight Watchers leader. I was so excited about it. So nothing ever worked for me. The second, the second, the second I stopped whatever I was doing was the second I was off and running. And I did a lot of other things as well. I did drugs, and I did alcohol, and I used sex. And I used anything. Food ultimately became my drug of choice. But all of that stuff really, A, stunted my growth, really stunted my relationships. And, um, you know, and, and what it did was created someone who was always sad, always depressed, feeling hopeless, self-pity, constant tears, constant seeking the next fix. Um, alone, a lot, binging, doing bad, dangerous things, driving around late at night in my car with my food. What did I care? I didn't care if someone 
killed me. I could care less. I drove into that cold stone, what do you call it, in um, the Grove, or no, not the Grove, the Beverly Connection, and sat there in my car in winter eating cold stone at 12 o'clock at night. I didn't care if someone jacked my car one second. I could care less. I got into accidents with food, eating, eating a baked potato with cheese and crap in it on the freeway. I could care less because really I needed my fix. Frozen yogurt was my drug of choice. I would um, go, there's a corner on um, Olympic and Westwood, if you don't know it. There's just a, like a few frozen yogurt, and I would go from one to the next and kind of like line it up in my car till I can make it over to La Cienega where there was the Pollo Loco that had the phosphorus free, so I could get that too till I could get home, just till I could get home. So I just um, want to say that what it was like was embarrassment. By the way, I worked in the fashion industry in sales. So I worked for Vogue and I worked for Marie Claire for 15 years. And guess what? You're really not supposed to be heavy in that world. And guess what? I would get skinny and I would have gorgeous clothes and I would spend tons of money and I would go shopping and spend tons of money and then boom. In like three months, I would balloon up again. And everyone would be absolutely, utterly shocked, as of course I was, because I couldn't understand what happened. I mean, the next thing you know, I just gained like 60, 70 pounds. And um, it was horrifying. It was bewildering. It was shocking, embarrassing, humiliating. I spent so much money on, well, all of this, not to mention the clothes and the alterations and you know, so obviously I also had to overcompensate because they had to love me for who I was and my performance at work because they weren't going to be loving me for my looks because I couldn't control that. Um, so there was a lot of self-hatred, um, hopelessness, and um, all of that horror. I think you pretty much get the picture of what it was like. So um, in the meantime... Time is ticking on, and I decide that I want to have a child. But guess what? I can't have a relationship because there's no way I can be with a man ever, period. Um, so I'm going to, I decided that I was going to go through artificial insemination. That didn't work. So then I decided that I was going to adopt. But I couldn't really get there because I was so consumed with this disease. I couldn't get there. But I was going through the motions. And I um, signed up with a um, attorney for an adoption. Still struggling, still struggling, still struggling. And by the way, my top weight was 205 pounds. My lowest weight was 105. Um, so in the meantime, my father got ill and he passed away in September of 2003. And when he died in September, my last hurrah was from September till about December where I really, really kicked in an additional 50. I mean, I went power man. I mean, it was fast and furious and intense and horrifying again. And then I just snapped and I, and oh, and I forgot to mention, I came to OA when I was uh, 15 with my mom and my sister and left and then I came back and then I left and then I did how and I lost 100 pounds and I left and I came back 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 
And you know what? I never got it. I just didn't get it. All right. So um, my father died. I was in such a darkness. I, I really, I couldn't, like, lift myself up. I just couldn't, like, lift up. So there was someone that I knew from the program, and I called her, and she just said, oh, and I was calling a lot of people in an OA that I had kind of known, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't. And they just said, keep praying for the willingness, keep praying for the willingness, keep praying for the willingness, keep praying for the willingness. And I did, and I did, and I did, and I did. And one day I said, okay, I'm just going to stop for a while. And I took four days off from work, and I kind of went into like this silent, silent place where I just went to meetings all day long. It was right over Christmas. It was Christmas. There was a meeting on Christmas Eve at the AA in, on Robertson by myself because and I just cleaned up my food so that I got all the stuff out of my system and that kind of started this abstinence that where I'm at right now which is almost um, 10 years going to be in December anyways really quick story I mean finish up the rest um, from there so many miracles have happened in my life the first thing that I went I came back to OA and really got into it but the thing that really kicked in for me and that was the most helpful for me and this is I think really important is that I went to a big book study because I didn't I still didn't get away I, I still didn't understand anything I could not understand what anyone was talking about but through this big book workshop what I understood was this and I never got this that my brain is broken it's doesn't work anymore when it comes to food it's broken and I myself cannot fix it because I myself got me here so I have to rely on a higher power and for me a higher power has been a struggle but you are my higher power and in this program I have experienced so many miracles because anytime I call anyone and it goes away and I'm saved and I'm so grateful I'm so grateful for this program so where I'm at now is you know my um, my father died nine months later I adopted a, nine, a baby and so I have almost a 10 year old right now and um, you know um, I'm just you know life isn't easy you know um, I'm a single mom and I work and you know the program and we got lots going on you know it's, it's a busy life but um, I have to tell you I feel beyond elated that I'm here this to me is is such a a miracle because guess what I'm really not depressed I mean, yes, I get sad, and yes, I get mad, and yes, I get this, and yes, I get that. But you know what? My, my baseline is not like it used to be where I would just be in a constant state of searching for the next fix or the constant state of being in that sad, horrible, self-pity depression. Those are kind of my two emotions. Now my, 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 my kind of my baseline is just like peace. You know, I can sleep. My anxiety, unless there's something really huge going on at work, which there is right now. Um, you know, my anxiety is pretty at bay. And I'm just really grateful to be here. I feel like we're really lucky to have this program. Um, 
And um, that's it. So uh, if there's, I'm sure there'll be some questions. And thank you for letting me share. Okay. Okay, this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Um, please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA po podcast. Um, so, okay. Jerry. Thank you. Okay, um, the question is how did my spirituality evolve and what it is like now? So, like I said, I grew up in a very conflicted household with with religion. My father was Orthodox and my mom was, you know, she'd bring home the ham just to get him that, you know. She would fry up the bacon and bring in the shrimp just to get him that. Um, so, um, religion, uh, I tried to get it. I tried to connect with God through my religion and, um, you know, it just didn't happen. So, what my religion is now and my God is now, it's, it's evolving. Um, when I focus on God, and I don't know necessarily what it is, but I know it's not me, like amazing things happen. My higher power has been a lot of you. I've used the meetings and people a lot as my higher power. Um, but I've also experienced my own higher power on my own when, you know, I've been away and I can't reach somebody and all of a sudden I need help and I talk to God and like miraculously I'm helped. So, um, it's just, you know, it is a process and my sponsor, you know, keeps telling me to just keep asking as if, keep asking as if and do what you're doing and it will continue to evolve. and. You know, I'm 10 years in, and I know that it will continue as long as I just, you know, stay here. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you very much, Reba. Um, in the fashion business, I grew up in the fashion business, uh, there's an enormous emphasis on what you look like, what you look like. And uh, my question is, could you talk about your 12-step work and your 12-step promotion rather than attraction, temptations if you've been tested. I'm not sure I understand your question. Have you, have you either been presented with opportunities to 12-step people because they see what's happened to you, or have you been tempted to cross oh. um, the The question is, do I use 12-step at work to either help people get involved in OA or um, have people reached out to me and the answer is no. No, no one, you know what, it's really interesting. Um, in fact, people sometimes when they see I'm eating a little bit differently, they don't want to know. They just, sometimes they just think that I'm odd. 
you know, but of course they're odd. So, you know, everybody, and by the way, everybody's odd. Everybody has their own thing. So, you know what? Who cares? Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what I do on a daily basis for my program. Well, I get up very early in the morning and I call my sponsor at 5.15. And um, I also exercise every day. Exercise is an absolutely critical part of my program. So I'm very motivated because it keeps me it's my it's really my drug of choice now is exercise um, it really helps me just feel good and it's important because I'm getting you know older and I have a young son and I want to stay healthy um, I walk my dog in the morning um, I just got a dog this summer prior to that I would have 15 or 20 minutes where I would just read my materials and write and now I just really don't have that time. Um, and I'm going to figure it out. I'm not there yet. It happened in June, so we're still trying to figure it all out. But right now, while I'm walking my dog, I'm saying my prayers and I'm thinking about the program. I have a sponsor that I talk to during the week. I have people that I reach out to. I go to meetings on the weekend. I prepare my foods pretty much every single day. Um, and that takes time, you know, cooking and cleaning and shopping is a big job too. So, you know, that's, a, you know, this program takes up a lot of time in my life. I go on the weekends to three meetings. Um, and, you know, I, um, you know, when I have struggles, I know what I need to do. Now, whether I do them is a whole other story. You know, I have a sponsor who says, let's write about it. Oh, I also call food sponsor every day, and that's kind of new. I've just started that about a year ago. And I haven't had the willingness lately to write, and, um, but I will. So that's, that's kind of it. Hmm. How do I balance my life um, with the program and a child and working and all of that? You know, I, it's, it's, it's doable. It's manageable. I kind of compartmentalize my life. Um, I have help, too. I have a, a babysitter that comes every day, except for the weekends, and, you know, from like four to six and spends time with him and helps him with the homework that I couldn't do if you gave me a million dollars. <laughs> I don't understand one thing he's doing from math to the iPhone movie, to the this thing, I don't, and I have a beautiful babysitter who just understands everything, and I worship her, okay? Um, you know, but I exercise in the morning, so I do that before he wakes up. I do my shopping on the weekends. I do my work. I go to the meetings on the weekends. I make time for my sponsor. I make time for my you know, uh, sponsee, um, you know, and sometimes I, and I don't, and, and, you know, my sponsor says, I hope you have some time to rest this week. And I said, you know, this is not my time. It's not rest time for me. This is not, you know, this is where I'm at. I don't have rest time. And, you know, sometimes I get tired. But the beauty is that, you know, because I'm clean and sober, you know, my life is really simplified too. I will say that because I've had, um, 
you know, I had a big life. I traveled a lot. I dated a lot. I went everywhere. I did everything. I have no desire to do anything. I am so happy to be home. And if I can sit home and read my newspaper, to me, that's hallelujah. I mean, it is hallelujah. No, I was invited to two things this week. One is a party at this like fancy schmancy jewelry. Wouldn't want to go, have zero interest in going. Another film thing, negative zero in going. I am so happy to go home and be with my son and go to sleep and wake up. Go to sleep and wake up. Those are two beautiful things. You know, so that's it. That's how I do it. Um, not exactly sure I phrased but having a, a growing son who has his own food needs, learning how to so I understand. How do I nourish and nurture my son knowing that I have this disease? Well, first of all, I really haven't gotten him involved in this. I was very surprised last week they had a speaker here who had brought his son, and he's very aware of his program, and I think that's great. I haven't really incorporated Ben, uh, my son, into this at all yet. I will, but not yet. Um, you know, the... it. One of the things I wanted to say is that once I got certain foods out of my system, the craving is gone. And that is a, that's really a miracle, too. You know, like frozen yogurt, you know, I don't have any desire. And I couldn't have enough of it. So I do let Ben have anything he wants. He's really kind of like a natural thin. Like he stops when he's full and... Sometimes he actually says he doesn't want dessert, which is kind of mind-blowing. So I kind of let it go. So I just, you know, I've tried to just let him be like what I perceive to be normal. And, you know, although I can't really make great decisions for myself, I can, I do have the capability of making good decisions for him. And if I don't, I ask for help. You know, my sister is my confidant. She's an ex-principal. She raised two fantastic kids, even though she really had a lot of struggles. So I, I do use her for, as a confidant. Any other questions? Yes. So when you, did it, when you came in out of Alabama and you came out of Illinois, how do you think that that was? Was it just that you, you weren't concerned, or what, what was it? I, I, I honestly did not get it. I didn't understand. I think that I didn't understand that very simple concept, which is that my brain is broken. I don't have a normal relationship with food. I'm a food addict. Um, I can't stop myself. I didn't understand all that. I really just thought that I, I knew I had a tremendously terrible problem with food, but I didn't know that, I didn't understand what how that problem manifested itself in my brain. My brain chemistry is actually off. And that, like, you know, if you imagine your brain is like this, because of all of the abuse, for me, now other people have a different thing. I mean, because some people have this disease very, you know, get it really young. So they don't have to necessarily, in my opinion, kind of wear out that brain. But my, I feel like my, my, like, like, sometimes I will see food, and if I'm not necessarily in the right place, I can, that, my heart starts, you know, I can feel that, that, that adrenaline kick in, and oh, boy, like a team of wild horses necessarily can't stop me. 
Um, so I just, and honestly, I, I wanted it, and I was devoted to OA many times. I mean, I mean, I did that how thing, but I just, I needed to do what I needed to do. I had to get to that place where I knew, or I didn't know. I just got to that place where um, I had exhausted everything. There was nothing left. There was absolutely nothing left. And when I came back to OA in that December of 2003, I didn't think this was it either. I just didn't have any else where to go. But it was that workshop. It was that workshop and that messaging from the big book that I finally understood. Like, and and, an experience, by the way. You know, I would be, in the beginning, like, I was abstinent, and then I would get an idea in my head to eat. And then once you get that idea, it's really hard because it starts, it goes like this. <laughs> you know, it gets so big. You can't stop it. But I would try to stop it. I wouldn't ask for help. I would just say, okay, no, no, not now. No, 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 no. And then, and then, and then my car would careen <laughs> into somewhere. And for me, you know, I know that, you know, A, once I start, I can't stop. Um, when I'm full, I want to eat more. When my clothes are tight, I want them tighter. I don't have a normal relationship with food or anything, for that matter. So, I just don't think, I, I can't explain it. It, it. it just, you know, and it's the same thing right now where I'm at with God. It's like, I don't quite get it. I mean, sometimes I get taste of it but I know that if I stay here just like that that's a good thing I will say this I never gave up I never gave up I never gave up trying to get better and guess what I got here and you know a miracle happened so what I'm saying is as long as I keep going and I don't give up I feel like I'm going to get that God relationship that a lot of people talk about. You know, I have it. I know I have it, but it's hard for me to sometimes really feel like I have it. You know what I mean? So. Thanks, Steve. I was just um, um, so you seem real accepting of yourself right now. Right now. Real acceptance. Thank you. How do I kind of accept the past? Um, you know, I thank you so much for that. I was just talking about that yesterday with um, someone, uh, someone in program, and I was thinking about all the bad things that happened in my life. You know, a lot happened. You know, and I'm going to share some of that right now with you, so that you kind of get the impact. I was raped when I was 19, and I got burned when I was five, and I had to be in the hospital for like three months and I was stalked and I had a lot of bad relationships with men. I would have sex a lot with them because I wanted them to like me and I thought if I had sex with them they would like me. And guess what they didn't. It didn't really matter. They just wanted to have sex with me. That's all. And so all of that was very, very painful. My brother was murdered. And, you know, that was really a horrible, horrible thing. And my um you know, my mom was just so brutal. She was so cruel. And that was really hard. Um, but where I'm at now with all of it is, you know, I think that 
I don't have any regrets. And I know that everything that happened to me and to other people kind of just brought me to where I'm at now. And I just try to see, I just try to have compassion. And sometimes I don't, believe me. I, you know, I could be plenty me myself. You know, I, I have it in me. Um, but I think that it gives me the ability to say to somebody else, it's okay. If you could have done better, you would have. My mom, she was not a mean person. I loved her in the end. And I was able to say I love you to her. And um, she loved me, you know. Um, but I see that she couldn't do it better. I mean, that was, that's the truth. I mean, she did the best she could. And, you know, and, I, and even people that are really sick, I mean, people that are really sick, and there are a lot of really sick people out there. I try to see that, you know what, I don't think they choose to be that way. You know, unfortunately, somehow they don't have that miracle like we do. Because we're sick too, you know. But um, we have somehow, that's the God that has enabled us to come here and get better. So, that's it. I think I have one minute. So, if there's any other questions. Yes. Thank you. For sure. Thank um, you. When it comes to your will and God's will, how do you know what is what it, what it, your will is taking over? And yeah. Where's Where's my will versus God's will? I, I I think that again, just using my brain is not my will. I mean, it's not God's will. Um, definitely, when it comes to food, and also you know, you know, like when that anger comes up. And you want to lash, and that adrenaline is starting to, woo, you know, you know how it starts going, and you can feel it. That's not God. You know, so mostly, um, my, and my will is very strong. I mean, you know, I've relied on myself for a really long time. So, I mean, um, mostly. You, I think you can tell by... Um, hard to, to feel that, that quiet voice. That's the God voice and, and that you don't have to keep questioning it too. And when they say when in doubt, don't. And you kind of know, I think. I think we all kind of know when don't do that. Just wait. Hold off. Just wait a second. And that's hard to do. And then, you know, the right answer will come or we'll ask for help or who knows what. You know what I mean? So, I hope I answered your question. Well, thank you for letting me share. Okay. I'm done.